Chapter 12 Runaways There was a knock at the door in the morning, but I didn't move from my bed. I was way too comfortable in the sheet's warm embrace. Seth answered it slowly to find Mrs. Estrada, who gave directions about today's search. We would be meeting at 9 a.m. in the parking lot, and I would lead the group again to the site where the rangers would meet us. I lay there listening to the conversation when it hit me. How was I going to explain my face? What would the warden think? So once the door was shut, I rolled out of bed and I headed for the bathroom. I noticed that the pain on my right side from being crushed into a tree had subsided fully, and I felt fully rested. I looked in the mirror hesitantly to see the large white gauze patch on my face with blood stains soaked through it. I shook my head back and forth. I worked up the confidence and started to peel at the tape in the corners of the patch in order to remove it from my cheek. I expected to see a raw, skinless mess, but when I pulled it away, there was no injury left. I hadn't seen it the night before, but my friends made it sound like quite a disaster. All I could see was a pale white patch of skin over the spot that I had been hit. It was a different color than the rest of my face, and as I ran my hands over it to feel it, I noticed it was the same strange color that my hands had become. Hey, Seth, come here, I called out from the bathroom, and Seth came through the door with his eyes covered by his hands. Ike, I don't want to see it. I think it's all better, I said in a surprised tone. What? He dropped his hands to see what I was seeing. Holy crap, how did that happen? It didn't look like this last night? No, man, you were all swollen and red and bloody and... I puked. It was so gross. Well, it's better now, I answered, confused. It's kind of a weird color still, but it is way better, he shouted. I'm going to get the girls. And with that, he ran from the room in his pajamas to go get Josie and Ava. I got dressed quickly while he was gone and sat on the bed waiting for them to return. They came running in with great speed. Let me see it, Josie yelled as she ran to examine my cheek. There was a look of shock on her face. I don't believe it. That's crazy. You're looking good again, Ava said, who appeared to be in better spirits than the night before. Circle K Medikit works miracles, eh? I joked. It's awesome, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't make any sense, Josie said sweetly. How could it heal that quickly? I think it's a good thing or even a God thing. Ava said. We would have a lot of explaining to do today otherwise. Why do you think it's a weird white color instead? Seth asked the girls. I don't know, but it's not very noticeable to me, Josie answered. Well, good. We have another day of searching ahead of us. I don't know if we get another night here or not. If we do, I want to go back, I stated. I thought you might. Seth said sadly. Don't worry, Victoria can stay here again, I teased, and the girls laughed a little. By that time, we could hear the others gathering in the parking lot. I grabbed my duffel bag and my backpack and left with the girls and went to meet them while Seth changed into his searching clothes as quickly as he could. We all handed in our keys to check out, and everyone headed to each, each one's own vehicle. It was my turn to lead once again. The buzz around the search team was hopeful, but I knew Marcos would not be found. It was depressing. 
I'd spent so much time trying to figure out the woman of the woods that I hadn't let it sink in that my friends were dead. The thought penetrated my heart and cut it. I couldn't imagine what Ava was feeling after having Jason brought back and then taken away again so abruptly. I helped her into my Jeep again and we headed up the highway. So how are you doing? I asked her over the sound of the mountain wind blowing hard on our faces. I don't know. It was hard seeing Jason last night, huh? It was unbelievable to see him that way. It still is. I guess I have closure now. I guess so. I'm really sorry, Ava. I said that as empathetically as possible. It's like he's dead and gone forever, but at the same time, he isn't. I'm having a hard time sorting it out too, I answered. You tried to kill him, she said angrily. He was going to kill you. Her face changed from anger to surprise as I said it. He's already dead, right? I asked. I know, she said and started crying again. Ava had been crying off and on for a few days now, and I had never seen her cry before. The new norm was starting to override the old. We didn't talk anymore until we got to the search site where the rangers eagerly awaited us. I strapped my backpack, still full of supplies, and helped Ava out as we gathered with the others. Welcome, searchers, Saul shouted to all get our attention. Before we begin, I just want to say that my rangers and I came a little early today to look around, and we found fresh footprints that weren't here when we left yesterday. I reckon we have a better chance of finding your boy here, Mrs. Estrada. I knew those prints were ours from the night before, but I was thankful he hadn't figured that out. We'll be going out in the same fancy lines we used yesterday, so come get your shiny yellow vests again and we'll begin. Everyone started shuffling towards the warden's jeep for their vests. I felt like it would be another very long day. The sky overhead was less blue than the day before. It looked as if a storm was brewing. Even the forest smelled a bit different, a little bit richer. It felt colder than the day before as well, but I was dressed the exact same. Maybe it was cooler that day, or maybe it was just me. We greeted Victoria heartily, but we didn't have the ability to tell her anything of the night before because of the presence of others. After finding our entire group of nine, the warden joined us again. Well, it's a fine day for finding, isn't it? He asked us. Sure. I answered for the group. Whoa, now, you don't seem too excited to be looking for your friends, he said as I stared at his broad square chin. I'm just tired, that's all. Really? Didn't y'all hit your room sometime around 8 p.m.? That's more than sufficient rest time, even for the weakest of men, he said with a wry smile. Yeah, I know, I said, just wanting the conversation to end. Hey, you eat a donut this morning, son? Saul asked. No, sir, I answered truthfully. Well, it looks like you have something white there on your cheek. He observed this aloud. I had been nervous about that mark being obvious to people, but no one had really took notice outside of Seth. Oh, no, it's nothing, I said, trying to shrug it off. Eh, it looks like something, he said back in a way that made me want to scream at him. He was really getting on my nerves, but yet he hadn't done anything wrong. He was all that was pure and good, but you still want to abhor. I mean, I didn't see it yesterday. I don't know, 
I said, hoping not to sound defensive. I don't mean to be getting under your skin, but you seem a bit defensive. I don't know what this is all about, but if it has anything to do with those boys and my woods, you can bet I'll surely find out. His words sounded so full of truth it made me worry. Graciously, he ended it there, and we started quietly into the search. As expected, the day went on without much fanfare. There were still no traces of Marcos, and it felt like everyone started to just go through the motions by midday. Even the rangers were only still searching because of the pleading of Mrs. Estrada for another day. It wasn't like we would find anything new out there. About 1 p.m., the sky became very dark with thunderstorm clouds. Joe, I whispered to her. She was just on the other side of Seth for me in line. Yeah? Check your bracelet, I asked, still whispering. She stretched out her arm so her wrist would be fully exposed from under her jacket. The UV bead stayed bright white with no hint of color. They're white, I pointed out. Her eyes widened and she looked around nervously. Her eyes were green again, brownish green. I tried to unzip my pack a bit, pull out a stake and place it in my sleeve just in case, but it was hard to do that inconspicuously. You need help getting something out of your bag? The warden asked me, affirming one of my worst fears that he had noticed. No, sir, I'm good, I answered quickly, putting my hands back in front of me. I hadn't been able to get anything out yet. You sure? Certain. I answered as I looked at Seth and Josie for help. What are you carrying in that bag anyway? It sure looks heavier than granola bars or sandwiches, he continued to press. Come on, warden, just leave him alone. He had a rough night, Seth said, trying to help, but it just muddied the waters more. Yeah, I heard. We talked about last night a little bit, Isaac and me. In your rooms by 8 p.m.? Sounds like a rough night, he said with a tone of disbelief. We just miss our friends, Ava added to the mix. I bet you do, kids. There's no doubt in that. But there's something about this whole thing you aren't telling me, he said, letting us on to his motives a little bit. We've told you everything, I said, lying to him again. What's in the pack, then? Just some supplies, I answered. Can I have a look? Aren't we a little busy searching? When we finish today, I'm checking your pack. That's a fact, he warned. I knew it to be a true promise, and I didn't know how to avoid it. All of this conversation with the ranger had caused me to forget about the beads being white, meant vampires could be in sight. Is that what they were, though? Were we going crazy? It was the only theory that I felt still stood up, and almost all the vampires we had heard of in fiction didn't like sunlight. Did someone make up vampires, or were they stories based on reality? Our reality? Even though it was midday, it was getting dark, so it felt worth being prepared. We walked in line a few more feet when all of a sudden we heard tires spinning off in the distance. We weren't near any major roads at the time, so it was very out of place. The warden kept a careful eye ahead but didn't break our line until two men came charging towards us, making lots of noise. I wasn't sure if I was seeing them right, but they looked a lot like Marcos and Jason, though bigger, maybe? I had noticed that about Jason the night before. Once they came up close, I recognized them, most of all by their clothes. Fear came over me, and then confusion. What were they up to? Settle down, gentlemen. Saul called out to them as he put his hand over his firearm, but they didn't cooperate. 
The two vampires ran around in circles, pushing people over, ripping tree branches down, and yelling like animals. I don't want to get violent on you, but I certainly will. I reached for a couple stakes from my bag and put them in my sleeves as the warden threatened them. They hadn't worked the night before, but I hadn't gotten a straight shot to the chest either. I huddled up our entire search line behind some trees for protection. The dads didn't want to comply, but the look on my face changed their minds. It couldn't be any more dangerous than this. We stayed hidden while the rampaging vampires were still a safe distance away. The warden stood tall, his weapon now drawn in the middle of a chaotic circle that they were running. They shrieked inhuman sounds as they ran and kicked and screamed. Marcos's family had heard the noise and had made their way to us. Marcos, my baby, his mom called out, but he continued in his madness. She wept loudly as he continued to be unresponsive to other family calls. Now see, your mom's been looking for you out here in my woods. Now that you're found, why don't you calm down and give her a nice big hug, Saul called out to them. They're not your woods, Marcos said intelligently with a threatening voice. You better believe they're my woods, Saul answered with a smirk. He steadily kept his gun aimed on the ever-moving mass that was uber Marcos. As he did, he lost track of Jason a bit, who's just a bit faster, and Jason ran around the ranger and brushed up against him at tremendous speed, knocking him off balance. It didn't seem to scare him as much as it did irritate him greatly. He spun around quickly as Jason and Marcos returned from where they came, and he charged after them, but there was no way he could catch them. I ran off after him, but staying a safe distance behind. I didn't know why, but I thought I could help. They ran to Jason's truck, parked in yet another smaller clearing, and started it. As they started to pull away, the warden shot the truck a couple times, but it was no use. They pulled out of sight. He put his gun away and kept running after them. Again, I followed. I watched him discover a backcountry road that led to the highway and truck tracks going that direction. He grunted in anger and spun around to catch me attempting to hide behind a tree. I guess I wasn't that stealthy. Why did you follow me? He asked curiously. I thought maybe I could help. Isn't that something? Maybe there is some of that hero inside of you that everyone thinks there is. He replied. What? I asked as I came towards him. The way people look at you, you know? In your little group of friends. I hadn't noticed, I said softly, trying to picture anyone ever giving me that look before. I wasn't sure what he was talking about. Well, anyway, your friends aren't missing anymore, are they? He asked rhetorically. He couldn't have been any more right, had he known the whole truth. I'd say they're 100% genuine runaways. That is, if they don't go home now that they've had their fun. Can I ask you something? Sure, why not, he said with a straight smile. If you thought they were runaways, then why did you shoot at them? I questioned as gently as I could. I knew the question would be hard to answer. My, my, the boy's perceptive, everybody, he replied. God's honest truth is I don't know. I know that ain't no reason. They just didn't feel safe or something. Like they were animals. It's all right. You don't have, you don't owe me an explanation, Warden. And I'll keep it to myself, I answered. Maybe he's not that perceptive after all, Saul said with another wry smile. I'm sure the family heard the gunshots. Well, I'm a witness that nobody was hurt, I said, trying to help. That's right, you are, he said. With that, I followed his lead to hike back 
towards the searchers to call off the day. The Estrada family was a mess. They were relieved that Marcos wasn't dead, or so they thought, but they were upset that he acted that way and ran away. They made no mention of the gunshots to the warden's delight. They discussed with the rangers what to change their report to, and they concluded on runaway. I wondered if the vampires had planned it that way, to throw the search off their scent and remove the police presence from this area. If they did, it was a master plan. Against my best judgment, I decided I would stay up north another night. I decided in my heart I would stay alone if nobody stayed back with me, which I felt was a strong possibility. I made my way over to the search line members as they dispersed to their vehicles. Everyone was discussing the bizarre turn of today's events, and my friends were playing the part. Hey, Seth, are you going straight home? I asked, walking with him to the vehicles. I was planning on it. What do you have in mind? Guess, I played. Jeez, Ike, you want to stay in the woods again tonight? He said too loud for my liking. I gave him a look as the warden came walking over, and we paused a moment. So, I guess this is a hearty goodbye. You should all go scurrying back to your homes now. I couldn't tell if he heard Seth or not. No need to stay in my woods. Ever again. Are you saying we can't visit here? I questioned. Well, I can't see why you'd have a reason. It's not like things have gone very well for you here, he said with another closed-mouthed smile. I like it here, I answered. You surely do but you shouldn't return, and you know that, he answered and walked away. I had hoped it was the last conversation I would ever have with him. Does he know something? Seth asked. I don't know. I can't read that guy. I like him, Seth added. You would. And yes, I'm staying tonight. I don't have the answers I want yet. Oh, good. Maybe they can rip your arm off this time, Seth said sarcastically. You in? I asked hopefully as we began walking again. Then we skip school again, he asked with a raised brow. Then we skip school. Unless we get back in time. I guess I'm in. There's no way I'm playing this Friday night anyway, he said reluctantly. By then we had reached the cars, and I rushed over to Josie. She hadn't gotten in her car yet, but her parents had. Seth and I are staying, I whispered in her ear. I don't understand, she said softly back. Why? I need more answers. I'll stay safe this time, I promise. You better, she said as she embraced me in a gentle hug before backing away and getting in her parents' ride. It felt good to know she was going to be safe at home. I spotted Seth having the same conversation with Victoria. It was strange how Seth was acting around her since they typically fought nonstop. Then it dawned on me that Ava was with me. She needed to find a ride home with someone else. I looked around for her, and she was already strapped into my jeep. Hey, Ava, I shouted over to her. She turned her auburn head over her shoulder to look at me. I made my way over to her to talk more privately. Seth and I are staying. You need to find a ride home with someone else. What if I want to stay? You don't, I answered plainly, and she smiled. I actually do. I want answers. I want to help you. You know it's not safe. Obviously, for you either, she said, with frustration rising in her voice. Please. Fine. What do I tell Victoria's family about why I'm not riding with you, she asked. Tell them you don't want to ride in my Jeep if it's looking like rain, I made up on the fly. 
She approved of the excuse, and so I helped her down out of the Jeep, and she rushed over to the Ashworths before they pulled out because they had already turned on their headlights. I nodded to Seth, and we rejoined our vehicles and led the way out of the forest and down the highway. But when everyone exited to head south, we pulled into Denny's. It would look like we're hungry, but we were just stalling to go back later. It was raining, and I was getting very wet with the top off the Jeep. Ava would have been miserable anyway. I grabbed my backpack, and we ducked into Denny's where the waitress led us to a table in the corner. Another young lady with blonde locks came over to take our drink orders, and then we were left alone for a few minutes. I ordered a Coke and set the Dr. Pepper. Okay, you have my attention, Seth said to me from across the small table. What questions are we trying to answer tonight? I looked intently into my friend's eyes, and I asked, Where do I start? We still don't know who the woman of the woods is or what she is. We don't know if we can save Marcos and Jason by killing her or not. We don't know how to stop any of them. And I would like those answers. So we aren't starting a fight tonight? That sounds good. He replied with a sigh. No fighting, just some recon, I answered as I stared out the window into the falling rain. It was such a rare sight for my eyes after years of living in the desert valley. How do we go about getting those answers? Seth asked, regaining my attention. Well, why don't we think about that over lunch? I asked as I packed up my as I picked up my menu from the table and gazed upon the food pictures. Seth did the same as the waitress returned, and we asked for a few more minutes. I thought more about the answers to Seth's questions than I did the food order. I knew I would fall back on my old faithful buffalo chicken sandwich. The only way I could think of gaining these answers was a safe audience with the vampires themselves, but I couldn't think of any way that would be possible. My mind floated around these thoughts when it clicked on like a light bulb in my head. We kidnap Marcos and torture him for the info, I blurted, just as the blonde waitress approached us for our food orders. She looked at me like I was a crazy person, and I wondered how far off she was. Seth was laughing hard to himself and was barely able to say his choice of food. And after we ordered our food, we worked out the details of my idea. Okay, I'll bite. Why Marcos? My friend asked curiously. I noticed today he's significantly slower than Jason, and Jason slower than the woman. I started to process out loud. Okay, so you think we can beat him in a race? Seth asked, all confused. No, I think we can run him down and trap him somehow. And then we can make him tell us the answers to our questions. What makes you think we can catch him? I don't know. I just think we can. Okay, what makes you think he'll know anything? He asked. I just hope he would. What a sound plan, he said with a thick coat of sarcasm as usual. I know, I shouted, mocking myself. We both laughed for a bit. Life had certainly dealt us a strange set of cards. The smell of our food found our noses, and we turned out our heads to see the tray on the waitress' shoulders featuring our meal. We graciously received our plates and ate away without much more talking. We were guys, after all. As we got up from the meal to pay the bill, Seth restarted our conversation. Okay, so do you have some rope or something? Yes. Do you have your canvas chairs? Uh-huh, he replied. That's exactly what I was thinking. We paid and we went back out in the rain. Can I ride with you? My Jeep's soaked, I pleaded. 
He nodded, and I grabbed my rope from the back of the Jeep before I slid into the Forester shotgun position. We could always pick up my Jeep later. It wasn't very late, maybe late afternoon, but the sky was dark, and Josie's beads would be white. We could get an early start and still get home tonight, I thought.